It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Forensic Psychology is a podcast that provides an illuminating window into the workings of the criminal mind. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. Today we have a special guest, Ryan Blackwell. You can find more information about Ryan at welltrainedelite.com. He's a veteran of the U.S. Navy. He's also a Purple Heart recipient. He's a USA Wrestling Bronze certified coach. He also has a bachelor's in science and exercise physiology, strength and conditioning, nutrition, wrestling, the NCAA wrestler. So today we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics. One of the topics we're going to cover is this incredible experience that he had, um, unfortunately, and fortunately that he made it through, where he was actually in the Pensacola Navy base shooting. We're going to be listening to that story a little bit later on. Um, He's going to be talking about that when he confronted the gunman who approached the door. We're going to be listening to that story. We're also going to be talking about fitness and health. We'll be talking about wrestling, but most of all, also about keeping cool and calm under high stress situations. So this is going to be one of those great podcasts. We're going to be covering a lot of topics. Before we get started, make sure to share, subscribe, hit that like button. You know we like it. Let's not waste any more time. Welcome to the show, Ryan Blackwell. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being here. And I forgot to mention this before um, we started the show, but thank you very much for your service as well. Thank you. So, Ryan, before we get to that incredible time that you had two years ago, uh, the harrowing experience, before we get to that, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, what got you into wrestling? I uh, came background. I mean, my father, he wrestled. Um, didn't never push it on me, really. It was a, it's actually, I was like in PE class. Uh, I remember like elementary school and they had like a wrestling week or whatever. And that's where I first learned. I came home and told my dad, I was like, hey, on a wrestle. And he's like, I got you. Then from there, it was just like wide open, you know, and I was out <laughs> uh, when that happened. And, you know, it's kind of took me took me for a ride and uh, really built me as a young man. You know, I really love wrestling a lot. People who've heard my podcasts uh, are urban combatives. We've had a couple of wrestlers on here and I always found it such a great sport because it helps you in so many different ways. Um, The discipline factor, the conditioning factor, the mindset factor, what we'll be talking about later. Uh, Also the, I think the self-defense factor is pretty big. I mean, we saw that. I don't know if you're a follower of UFC or not. Oh yeah. And you remember years back, I mean, and even now, anybody who sees a wrestler knows, <laughs> knows where that fight's going to end up. It's very unlikely it doesn't go to the ground. Did you find that wrestling helped you at all? It, it, I mean, it helped you a lot in the sense of feeling confident, feeling more secure about yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, especially developing like a competitive mindset at an early age, it really kind of um, did that for me. And then, you know, you just, it just, you build on that and then it just 
you set goals, you accomplish them, set goals, accomplish them. And it just paralleled with life a lot. And I feel like um, my dad kept me kind of on the straight and narrow as far as coaching me. And I had other great coaches and mentors along the road as well. And um, yeah, it really, really, I think played factor just molding me. Right. Because it was a, it was a mentality that I was developing kind of um, subconsciously without really knowing, right. Working hard, knowing hard work pays off or trying to be the hardest worker in the room or whatnot. Uh, developing all those principles and characteristics. How about just in, in the sense of feeling, I don't want to say secure, but I guess I guess you could say secure in yourself, feeling that if somebody was to bully you, somebody was to pick on you, you can take care of yourself. Did you ever have that? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's you always kind of like every wrestling season, when you think about it, like if it's a lot of kids tested, you know, you wrestle for two years, now you wrestle for three years, now the new kid comes in the room. Well, it's easy to wrestle somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, you get a sense of like a little bit of like, okay, I have self-confidence for sure. You know what I mean? I know how to use my body, you know, a little bit of spatial awareness, you know, because um, of boundaries on the wrestling mat, right? You have to keep it in bounds and body positioning and just leverage and um, yeah, all that stuff um, really, really just, like I said, runs that parallel with just life and applying it. I did it. I'm sorry. Hey, go ahead. Did, did it help at all during your Navy days? Navy days, yeah, definitely uh, with the mindset uh, coming uh, in, being structured. You know what I mean? Wrestling's eighty percent mental, twenty uh, percent physical. That's just the skills and techniques you learn. And from there, it's just muscle uh, conditioning and reps. You know, muscle memory and your mindset. That's what you get. There's a lot of goal setting and self talk. You know, I mean, arousal control. You got to be able to, you know, like control your breathing. Be able to kind of like see yourself in the arena or on the mat wrestling some visionary opponent, right. And getting yourself, that's a sports psychology aspect behind it. So like that, that's the biggest thing, like a lot of competitors in all sports across the boards, where we really was something as a individual as wrestling, where it's a one versus one type of thing. That's um, that's where I think the differences are one and lost. The matches are one and lost. Like it's in your mind, like how, how well you like really tapped in. That's and that's cool. like wrestling and wrestling is one of those deals where like, you, you got no choice, but to really, if you want to be successful, you got to kind of adapt and adjust. You know what I mean? You got to develop that mindset. That's great. That's extremely true. In life, a lot of people don't tend to adapt. Yeah, <laughs> they get stuck where they're at. And that's the interesting part, because I know what we talked, or now we'll talk about a little bit about your story, about what happened in Pensacola. Because um, you attribute a lot of why you were able to get out of there and why you were able to do what you did to your wrestling background, to your mindset. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about what happened. What was the first thing you heard? Was it, was it gunshots? Was it hurt people yelling? What was the first thing to give you indication there was trouble? Uh, definitely there's a gunshot that had sounded. It just echoed through the building, and then you kind of hear the commotion unfold after that. What did you do when you heard the gunshots? So we um... – but there was like two other people in my office and then like what we, we said secured the office. So you, you know, closed the door and it took cover behind some furniture office, 12 by 16, roughly um, furniture is, you know, probably about 10 feet away from the door. It's press, press furniture, you know, basic office material. And um, there's two windows located in the back of the office. And one of the um, sailors that was in there took cover behind one desk and the other one took cover behind me um, behind the, the other desk on the other side of the office. And, that's kind of like, as you know, I, and we got, we got a call off, um, called 911. And then I had called the supervisor, told him not to enter the building. And um, that's pretty much how, how the initial reaction went once the uh, 
the initial chaos unfolded. Did you have any, because um, we know people who are obviously who know about guns that bullets can go through those desks. <laughs> you, you still put it in front of you because you never know what it could hit inside of there. Did you think about that at all? Realizing, okay, this is kind of somewhat comfort, but I can't rely too much on this. Yeah. So it was kind of like quick. Um, it okay. didn't, it wasn't really like you had like time. It was just like it, that happened. And then we are, our, our target was engaged our office was engaged and we were the next oh wow yeah so it was just kind of happened and then uh we were able to take cover and get a call off and um say you know kind of report the shooting and then tell the you know the the other supervisor for the office not to enter the building and you know as he said that that's whenever the um gummy head shot out the door was like half window pane um half wood so he shot the window pane and stayed on the other side of the door. So he just kind of had the barrier of the door between us and um, just shot us, like I said, 10 to 12 feet away. Um, I had got hit six times and then um, he had put four, he had, he had a 14 round magazine. So he had put 14 rounds in our office um, between the, between all of the uh, wounds received between everyone. 14 rounds. Oh yeah. So he had, he had a pistol, a nine millimeter pistol and um, put 14 rounds. Man, what was going through your head at the time? Um, initial reaction was like, oh, man, i just been shot. You know what I mean? But even prior to that, I would say would, you kind of it's like fight or flight or freeze, right? And, mm-hmm. do. and my re- initial reaction was like, um, I'm not dying today. You know, that was that was just kind of my mindset. It was like, I just went straight to that. Um, and then it was like automatically like, solve the problem you know like that's like what this is what we're at what we got like solve the problem so that's like how it unfolded like once we were there and we got engaged i had um took a round in my arm and i was still on the call and i had dropped my phone and i rotated and i covered the female behind me so i was still like a i wasn't on top of her but i was you know roughly like a foot away from her and i was in a crouching position and i had gotten hit five more times and uh one off the side of my rib cage under my right arm and i took two in my back since i was crouching one on the right side of my lower back hit um came outside the inside of my thigh and then the one in the left side of my back hit my pelvis and came on my left hip and then i took another round into the back of my right calf and then one into my left foot and then, um from that moment i just i i fell over right and then um i just was like was really stunned you know and then i just like remember covering my head and just Saying like, all right, um, I gotta, don't get hit in the head, don't get hit in the head. You know, that was my initial reaction. And then from there, I was like, I kind of started like, uh, you don't want to die. And then like, you start getting a little, I got a little bit comfortable in a sense, like found a little bit of peace, kind of accepted my fate just because it was just ongoing. Um, and you're like, all right, play dead for a minute. Am I dead? You know what I mean? You don't know if you're dead yet. Then all of a sudden my phone just started going off against it's still on the call. And it was just saying like black boy, you still there. So it made me snap back into uh into things. So I kinda had a daze to me and I was able to come back through. And I crawled over and got my phone and I told him that we have all um I made a visual of the room and um it was this is fractions of seconds. And I saw the female had been hitting her leg and I saw that the other um sailor in office said that he's been she had a flesh wound in her leg and he had been hitting his leg and um, I looked at the door. I didn't see a shooter. And I just said, Hey, uh, we've all been hit. I'm gonna get us out of here. And I'll call you back. And then I just kind of just some, like, I, I only thought I got hit twice. Like I felt it in my arm and I felt the back of my leg, but I didn't feel the rest. Right. And I had a lot of adrenaline rolling. 
So I, was, uh, I just hopped up and I just ran to the window and uh, worked on getting the window open. But my um, there was an AC unit in the window and I had, I had removed the window AC unit, but the window had slid down. And my right arm, I got hit my median nerve. So it, it gave me partial paralysis of my um, right limb. And it um, I couldn't, I didn't have function at the time of being able to lift the window up. So I had uh, the other two in the office were able to get up and help with the window. And then we had jumped out the window and then um, proceeded to, you know, carry on to find them and provide first aid. Tense, intense, man. So when you were, um, now you think you were, you were helping, did you go out the window? You had to you use your bloody arm, I think it was, a wounded arm? Yeah, so I had, um, I had went out the window, it was probably like seven foot dropper, so nothing too too bad. I was an elevated first level building, multiple story building, but we we're on the first level that was elevated and um, jumped out, landed in the bushes. The other two proceeded to come behind me. And um, I just remember elevating my arm on my head and um, I saw three guys standing at a building across is about a hundred yards away. And um, I, the, the other person I was in my office, when they got out, they kind of uh, heard somebody they felt like coming back in so they had went one way and I had already took had another sailor with me and we started running towards the gentleman that I saw telling him active shooter and um, you know trying to get some help and once we had gotten into the building um, that's whenever we were able to kind of like stop for a second you know like really kind of like take a look at what just happened because at, at first it was the initial just get get out of there you know what I mean and then like now it's like okay let's see what we have Let's like make the call again. So I like, I, but, but prior to all that, I had to like really get myself back into like the right state of mind. So I was like trying to catch my breath and process everything. So I just called my wife real quick and told her I loved her. And I told her to call the family and tell them I loved them. So I wanted to make sure she knew, um, you know, and everything that just happened. And I went right back to um, telling them like trying to get towels and provide first aid. And then uh, on my arm, I was, I was starting to um, black out a little bit because I was a lot of, losing a lot of blood and I had just ran and I um, sat down and I kicked my feet up and then I ended up kind of coming through again and I just remember on my belt um, I reached for my belt and I was able to get some assistance and take my belt off and apply a tourniquet to my right arm with my belt and so that's where I thought the most like quick fix option was my arm because my leg I knew I had a bad spot on my leg I just you know I was just trying to move and get out of the building so I had gotten them back on the phone once I made the tourniquet and um, the guy that I had previously called and that um, my supervisor that was on during the, the he heard the whole shooting, um, he was en route to come get me because he was already on base. So I gave him some directions. He came to the building, he picked me and the other guy up and then we were able to get to the front gate. And um, once we got to the front gate, it was kind of, there was a lot of traffic. So it was all pushed back and everything was locked down and there was um, trying to get the ambulance up front wasn't working. so. We ended up getting transported. Um, well, I got transported by the uh, the sheriff's department uh, here locally because uh, we, we just didn't have time to wait, right? And so they had put me in the back of the cruiser. And um, I guess I was, I was like, I got out of the truck and I was walking around. Like when I pulled up in the, the pickup truck from my supervisor, I was walking around like saying, hey, you know, like you got to get to the hospital now. And they're like, ambulance is coming. And it wasn't coming yet because it was so, you know, traffic was backed up and everything. So just tough situation because it was morning rush hour, right? And um, everybody's oh, yeah. on base and whatnot. And so one of the sheriffs, he said, you're not dying on my watch, get my cruiser. So then I had opened up the door and I saw another police officer back there that had been shot in the leg. And um, it was just bleeding out pretty good in the backseat of the car. 
so as I crawled in the back of the car, I stuck my left elbow into his uh, wound on his leg to stop their um, loss of blood. And then he had ended up uh, pulling on my tourniquet because I was holding on the tourniquet with my left arm to apply the pressure. So we, he had to help me out by pulling on the belt to help like keep my arm tight. And um, that's what we did to the hospital. And uh, yeah, I ended up um, going into the hospital. And once we, we had pulled up to the hospital, you know, I walked right in and then kind of went from there as far as what what actually happened happened you know what i mean get the see what the damage is incredible amount of mindfulness that you had being right. in that present state is phenomenal now you attribute a lot of that to you mentioned earlier to wrestling helping you to be able to stay calm and focused is that true right i would say just with um you're presented with a lot of stressful situations in life in general but especially with the sport of wrestling you know, you, you're a competitor, you're having to make weight, you're going to practices, you got to do school. Um, there's a lot of different things. And I, I haven't competed, you know, since 2015 season. So I've been, I've been out of college for a while now, but um, still sticks with you because it becomes so muscle memory and second nature that the mindset is just kind of instilled and you just, it just builds throughout life, right? You get a little, little bit of a callus and a little bit more of a callus and uh, definitely staying composed and I want to say like through some of the military training as well of just being in a stressful environment and staying composed and just like kind of figure it out you know what I mean not don't like freak out figure it out Absolutely. Um, that, that was kind of like the motto um but it was also like it's one one shot that's it you know like there's it's not really like you can run it back or uh this don't work we got something else like we're on a limited timeline like Throughout that duration of events, um, like I just described to you, it took 27 minutes um, from the moment I got shot because wow. of that phone call that I had, I had made to the point of exiting the office to all the little checkpoints along the way to the to when I had arrived to the hospital. I had made one last phone call to my father right when I was pulling up, telling him at where I was at. And um, he was on his way. They, my parents live out of state, so they're on their way already. And um, the kind of everything logged uh, the timeline. So it just kind of shows you there in 27 minutes, it was uh, it was a rush. It was um, it seems like hours, you know, as it unfolded in minutes in between, but it was seconds and fractions. It was, um, it, was it moved fast. Well, that's the weird thing. When I've spoken to police officers and, and special forces guys as well who've been in combat, especially the, the officers. Who, there's one officer, Brian Murphy, a buddy of mine. He was uh, he encountered a mass shooter in, in, at a sick temple in Wisconsin. Uh, but we were talking about time dilation and 27 minutes. That's like a week yeah. <laughs> when you're that kind of everything just slows down. And it's kind of interesting how our brain starts, starts slowing everything down. And then we have auditory exclusion. You don't hear very much of what's going around you. And it's, it's really an amazing thing. So I can't even imagine 27 minutes must have felt like forever. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, especially with like, the amount of blood that I was losing too, you know what I mean? Of trying to like, so it was like, I was in a race against time, but it was like an hourglass. Like it was, my body was essentially an hourglass, right? It was running out of blood because I was bleeding out and it was, I needed to get somewhere fast and it, and it happened and it worked out, but it, it took a lot of like willpower and just not giving up. You know what I mean? Like staying focused, you know what I mean? Staying composed. Like, okay, you get a wrench thrown in here. What do we do now? All right, figure it out. And you just kind of just keep, just keep even keeled, I guess, you know, you know, I'd say like, that would be like the best thing. And then I, I and I, and then at the end of the day, I'd already accepted my fate. 
you know what I mean? I accepted my fate when I initially got shot because I thought I was going out then. And then my phone on the, with it still being on the call brought me back in because it was saying like, mm-hmm. Oh, black boy, you're still there. You know what I mean? So I had already went through that whole traumatic experience. Uh, and I don't even know if you want to say traumatic, it's definitely like um, undescribable as far as like what I, what I encountered as far as like, as soon as all that initial gunshot had happened in my body, it took that, you know, took all that force and the blows to it. I, I, um, you know what I mean? You're kind of drifting off, you know? So it's, it was, it was kind of just crazy. Like I said, the experience as far as like what the human body is capable of doing. And then with me having my degree in exercise physiology and being able to um, provide like um, a wrestling background behind it and getting, you know, some education training through the USA wrestling and whatnot. It allows me to kind of really um, apply my knowledge that I've learned throughout all that with training and just like how I had a colostomy bag for four months. So I had to do a lot of um, physical therapy and uh, I had, I had it reversed, which was, um, which I was very lucky to have. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had my, um, my body and I had to do some very extensive uh, physical and, and occupational therapy and it kind of made me tap back into, you know, the grassroots of what my education was and what my foundation was. And uh, to be able to, even with my diet, with the colostomy, I had to change my diet up a lot, but I was used to doing that as a competitor and a wrestler. Um, it was something that was second nature to me. So it was adjusting a diet during the season for eight months was nothing new, you know? So this was only four months really. And then, you know, after the math, you got to kind of got to be careful with certain items. But for the most part, I was really able to um, rely on my training. Right. And that's just like through that whole evolution of events, I was able to rely on my training and even to the point of first aid on um, my my gap between the Navy and college. I was an ocean lifeguard in Myrtle Beach. So I was able to learn a lot of first aid um, training as well, you know, during that time. And um, so it was really like I said, just relying on training, and like kind of tapping back into what what Ryan Blackwell is like made of in a sense. You touched on so many, so many topics. Again, we're talking to Ryan Blackwell from welltrainedelite.com. You can find out more about him and his amazing story and what his company does over there as well. And what his company does is actually one of the things I think he even agrees with is saved him, which is being physically fit, having that mindset. And it's amazing. A couple of points, I guess. One is we're just listening to you talk about that, how powerful, a simple word or a couple of words, Blackwell, are you still there? Um, kept you focused and motivated you in a, in a sense. That's amazing just to hear those words and how powerful they are. Cause we hear them all the time in the movies, right? Right. And you don't think about it, but now hearing you just gave me a whole different perspective on that just changed the way your mind worked. It just flipped right. everything on. Yeah. It was, um, like I said, very unique experience to say the least. Now on your physical fitness well, actually, before we get to the physical fitness component, one more thing before we get to that, the tourniquet. In today's world, I see a lot of survivalists and a lot of people training individuals out there. We live in a very different world in the last three years. <laughs> um, crime is going up, but this is actually a really important part of it. I see some of these individuals now, either gun classes or self-defense classes, but they're also incorporating tourniquet training. How important do you think that was? Obviously for you, it was quite important, but how about do you think for the average person? No, I think um, it's definitely important for the average person, I would say, just to be CPR and first aid certified, CPR and first aid certified in general, 
you know what I mean? And then like, you can do your advanced training as far as the tourniquet training, but even just having basic, just like CPR training, you know, for, especially for parents, you know, being able to choking or this or that, but uh, that, that first and foremost, you know, like there, there's a lot of, you know, resources in the community where I'm sure you could like get those or especially online or whatnot. And, uh, but outside that, yeah, with the tourniquet, that was just something like you see it in the movies you know what I mean? You see it on this. Um, it wasn't like you're just like living this movie script, but it it um it really like that's kind of like the perfect way to paint the picture. You you know what I mean? Like you're sitting there, you're like, I'm bleeding out. What do I do? You know what I mean? And I'm fading out like my I'm going, I'm getting lightheaded, and then it's just like, oh, tourniquet. My brain just went straight tourniquet, and then it just said belt, you know. And then from there, as soon as I had cinched it tight on my arm, um, and elevated arm up, I had like a sense of adrenaline come back over me again. So, you know what I mean? It kind of, maybe that initial like squeeze because I developed a crush injury. So I also had um, my median nerve had was partially severed. So my middle finger or my ring finger, my middle finger, my index finger, my thumb um, were, were affected. So my pinky and half of my uh, ring finger are oh. um, operational. But now uh, I'm getting function back in my hand, but it's still like numb to the touch and whatnot, but it's coming back. Um, so that's from the nerve injury. Nerves, you know, regenerate one over time. And then with the crush injury from the tourniquet from squeezing it so tight, but that crush was what also sent that pain signal to my brain. I think the receptors took it as another source of adrenaline, you know, and it was able to help me um, kind of stay focused again. And it was like, all right, check that box in a sense, right? Because it was checkpoints out of the office, into this building, out of this building, into the truck, into the truck, into the cruiser, right? So that's like the best way for, for me to process it and break it down is like, essentially, you know, there's like check boxes along the way. And I was just one of them. Then, okay, then what happened next after that, right? Got back on the phone, made the call. Um, so yeah, definitely important even to be familiar, I would say, just in case like, you got to use a shirt or a rag or something to know like, Hey, apply pressure to a wound. Things happen. You know what I mean? Like that was not expected or planned. I had to react. You know, I got to work at five 30 that morning and that happened at six 46, you know, so wow. I wasn't there that long. So it was really, I also had my, my morning coffee was still in my mug, you know, so <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was an early morning. And I don't know how old you are, but I just got flashbacks of Rambo because I remember he did the tourniquet thing. Remember that? I don't know if you remember yeah. Rambo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, like that's what uh, it's it's really bizarre for me to like um, see the way that it unfolded because it was a ninety nine point nine percent chance. I mean, we were they're shooting fish in a barrel. You know what I mean? It was just how yeah. fast we could swim the circles is really what it was. And um, to, to get out of that and everybody in the office made it out of that everybody lived that was in our office um we were able all, all to make it out of that um that that to me is just um that, that's that's just you know insane in a sense like that's oh, absolutely there was eight of you i think right they got out there was three me including me there's three in my office there was um there was another um there was another lady that was upstairs another one that was downstairs three four five then there was three yes that um that ended up being um that ended up passing away uh so a total of eight and there was uh a few two eight nine the three police officers that were wounded as well uh, right. so 11, 11 total um so i think the police officers took them out didn't they oh yeah, yeah the swat team they came and um they definitely um they came in and eliminated them so it was uh 
it went on for for a good duration of time because he, he was able to get the advantage on him you know because it was a double story building so he was able to kind of get the high spots in some areas in the initial till uh you know till they were able to get get the vantage point i'm glad to neutralize that threat for sure and thankfully everybody got out of there yeah. uh amazing story incredible story and for those out there in situational awareness who are listening to this that podcast situational awareness tactics and there's a lot here to learn keeping your head on uh i guess focused keeping focused throughout the entire time because it's not the time to worry about anything at that moment <laughs> it's the time about getting your plan and getting out you got plenty of time to worry afterwards right well, it's like not being like hyper vigilant or like anything like that but it's more just about being self-confident and ready in a sense you don't have to gloat you know what i mean boast and brag about i got this i got that i know this i know that you can be like a silent assassin you can be the gray man right and you can kind of just know what you know and then just go about your life and then if one day if you have to act on it you're so have enough self-confidence that you should give your best effort you know what i mean that, that's all i was trying to do that day was give my best effort and i knew like I was, I was going to go out without it. I wasn't going to go out without a fight. You know what I mean? I was going to go as far and as long as I could. That, that was like a, you know, kind of like where, where we went. Incredible stuff. And how did it change you afterwards? Did you become, you mentioned hypervigilant. Are you more hypervigilant? Are you hypervigilant now? In, um, in a sense, I think like, um, you know, there, there's a few positive things you should know, like, um, you know, like even going to a restaurant, right? Don't put your back to the door. That's just not my style. Uh, know your exits, right? Know where your exits are at. Things happen all the time. Know where your exits are at. Kitchen fire happens. You know your exits, right? And then knowing what your potential threats may be, right? And, and you can really kind of spot those out. And it's not like you stereotyping or classifying somebody, but you can see if somebody's belligerent or if somebody's coming in and they just look like they're they're doing something out of the norm in a sense of causing it a distraction or being very loud or, um, you know what I mean? It kind of gives itself mm -hmm. away. It's the elephant in the room, essentially notice the elephant in the room, right? That that's kind of like the biggest thing that I feel like you really focus on more, um, kind of seeing things before that, before they happen, which would probably be thinking three, four or five steps ahead, right? You're trying to play everything out and not just act on a quick impulse decision. You're kind of, but you're, you're working it out. Like, you can work out a little bit faster, right? You can work out to step three a little bit quicker. And it's kind of like relies back on muscle memory and like with like wrestling, right? As the example, like when you wrestle somebody, you're three moves ahead. Cause you know, if you take them down, you got to work to score points to do a turn. And after that, you're trying to pin them. And then you're trying to set them up for this. And you know what I mean? So it's, that's like I said, the parallels with life and the sport. Um, yeah. That's a great example. Cause I know I was watching some, some wrestling tapes the other day and, and it's, it's, there's so much going on in wrestling. People don't realize it's, it's like a chess game. Like you mentioned, because you have a lot of fake outs. Um, you know, you try to grab one foot, you act like you're going to grab one foot. So they step forward or back and then you grab that foot <laughs> that they put forward. You know, that's what you wanted. You baited them into a certain direction. So it's interesting because there's, there's a lot of chess playing there. And I also want to make sure people realize because sometimes you'll get this. Um, oh, they're paranoid. But paranoia is not that. Paranoia is thinking you're feeling or feeling that you're threatened in some capacity. 
and but there's nothing going on, but you don't feel threatened. You're actually looking to see your environment and you're trying to plan ahead, which is a very different game than paranoia. Paranoia is a mental health condition. A lot of times if you are, and those individuals can't function in life a lot of times when they get hampered, but there's a huge difference between that and what you're talking about. Yeah, it's more just about being prepared in a sense, you know, like if like we live, I'm here in Florida, so you're prepared during hurricane season for like when hurricanes are coming, right? It's just more so being prepared rather than being scared or this or that. Like, yeah, there's going to be fear involved. Believe that. You know what I mean? It's going to be how you face the fear. It's not It's not going to not be present if that ever a situation occurred. I know it was very present, but it was like, how do you face it and stay focused and being able to like apply it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great example. I mean, heroes are not fearless. <laughs> they go, they, they're having fear. They're just very brave and they go through that fear. Right. Right. Yeah, Cause we're all afraid that in those moments later on, you realize, Holy, <laughs> Holy, what the heck was going on? Um, yeah. I've talked to a couple of guys on Delta force, which was, it was interesting because their mindset's a little different. <laughs> but yeah. Those, those guys are different as it is. Well, I mean, I think if you tap into that more and more times, you know what I mean? And you become comfortable because at the end of the day, it's about being comfortable, uncomfortable, right? And what's the only oh, way to get comfortable, uncomfortable by getting being uncomfortable, right? And if you make yourself uncomfortable a lot, it's going to become the norm to where you're not going to probably have that fear. It's normal to you. That becomes normal, you know? And then that's where you have the transition back when these guys go to try to adapt back into the civilian life that they became a new norm. And uh, that's like calls kind of beyond what we do for wrestling and fitness at the gym. We do a lot for veterans too. So like, cause like we kind of all know like what it is, you know, like purple heart recipient or not, you know, disabled hundred percent or not. Like we do a lot of stuff for veterans here at the gym, trying to provide them outlets or the resources that they need. Um, so yeah, it's been, um, it's been, it's been a very, very crazy life experience for sure. I want to transition a little to the fitness in our last minutes here because um, I know that's what you focus a lot on over there. Were you physically fit when that incident occurred? I was. Yes, I was. Um, it's kind of that mindset. It's always kind of stay in shape. I had just, I had wrist surgery. So I had my uh, right hand reconstructed my wrist, mm. added a bone in there. So that's why I was, I was in limbo while I was out here uh, kind of recovering from that surgery. I had about a, a year prior to the shooting. It was in uh, 2018 is when I had that wrist surgery and they, fuse my wrist so like they took some bones out then fused four bones together and it um created kind of like a frozen joint in a sense in my right arm so it was just okay. more damage to my right arm um yeah so but i had started i was kind of like running a lot you know what i mean and i was like going to the gym and i was doing you know different things and uh swimming right and it's just kind of like yeah just kept that foundation i wasn't like at my peak performance by any means i'd definitely been in better shape but I was definitely had a foundation. I wasn't, um, wasn't very like sediment or anything like that. Like I was active. The reason I ask is I know a lot of people who, who've been injured. Um, I haven't asked people who've been shot, but I know from speaking to doctors, the recovery is usually a lot better if you're in good physical condition. Right. I feel like I kind of, um, like I wear my wounds well, in a sense, I was able to bounce back, you know what I mean? So like I opened the gym within the first year of the shooting. So I had, Oh, wow. Had, bag for the first four months of it so as soon as i got the reversal um i kind of like on that second half of the year 
I focused all my attention on um, creating this well train, uh, you know, the training facility, and we made it happen a year to the date of the shooting. And I was still with my arm all messed up and my legs and everything, but I was able to like focus and I put myself in a lot of uncomfortable situations to be able to like get my dream a reality as far as what we had going on here. And it was a lot of help from the community, a lot of, uh, you know, just like kind of tapping into own personal resources to just foot the, foot the bill and everything. And it really, uh, it really all came together, but it also helped me heal. Uh, Cause I was forced to be active. I was forced to use my right hand, which I was, I had, I was, I was like briefly, I was right hand dominant. Then throughout the recovery, uh, especially with the colostomy bag, I was left hand dominant. That I had to learn how to do it left hand because I could had no use of my right arm at the time. Then as my function started coming back in my right arm, I started learning how to do everything right handed again. So now I've like, you know, I had to reteach myself how to do everything back to writing right handed. Oh, wow. There's things yeah, that, you know, that I have some issues with as far as just like pinching and grabbing um, just because of the uh, tissue, like this fingers feeling numb. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff through the recovery that definitely attributes back to this well-trained, the facility, you know what I mean? And being able to kind of stay focused through the whole duration of the events. Tell us a little bit about functional fitness. I think we were talking a little bit before the interview. Tell us a bit about what that's all about. Yeah, so we we um we provide a functional fitness class, and it's more circuit training, endurance based, where we're kind of moving weight. It's not super heavy weight, and there are different stations set up. So it's, you know, essential circuit training, uh, resistance, you know, um, training, or maybe some type of plyometric or or, or some something of that nature. Like mix it all up, right? So you're kind of getting a full body workout. And it's on on clock and it's like, you know, certain periods of you're active and there's rest periods in between. And it's been a really a good hit with, especially with the younger generation. So our, our gym is primarily youth. Um, actually, like, uh, I would say like 90% of our um, oh, wow. members are youth facility or youth. We have over 130 members currently and um, going on our second year coming up this, you know, anniversary of the shooting, um, summer six. And so, uh, we have the other 10 percent made up of like the active duty or retired personnel, military personnel, or just people just in the community that want to stay active. And we have some adult programs, but primarily we do a lot for the youth um, with wrestling and we have a, a PE class. So we do a lot of, um, we have a well-trained PE. So that's elementary age-based kids where they, they come in and we, we do kind of, sometimes we do the old school PE games like double Dutch and, you know, kickball and dodgeball. And then other times we're doing relay races or, different um exercises with like tennis balls or whatever so we really mix it up and try to make it fun really our biggest goal is to teach them how to just do fitness for life in a sense so if we're doing something with stations and it's minimal equipment and a lot of this stuff they can purchase now from amazon or walmart or whatever um now they're they're learning something they can apply the rest of their life because now they know how to structure a workout they're literally just taught themselves okay i can put five exercises together I can do 30 seconds on the clock. I can do a 20 second rest in between. And you know, I do that five times through each station. And that's do that a couple of times, you know, two times through and change it up a couple of times. And that's almost a 30 minute workout, you know, and then we add, you know, your course, we like to warm them up properly so we can try to um, do injury prevention. And, and then we, uh, at the end, you know, cool them down and stretch and do a lot of mobility work as well. So, which helps also with the kids, you know, with growth, um, aiding in their development, right. Cause they're really, they're in their developmental years, um, especially as they're entering puberty in that middle school age range. And that's where we have the bulk of our functional fitness class. 
is primarily that middle school, high school age range, which is perfect, you know, because we're able to really get them active and kind of get them really familiar and um, having fun. It's not, it's not your typical gym, you know, it's not like the barbells and squats that wrestle on that. And we have a lot of uh, equipment, you know, as far as like sandbags or dumbbells or um, uh, slam balls or, you know, dummies or punching bags. We have all that. So kind of helps you get creative and then it taps in that creativity side of things too. And um, it's just really um, make, makes fitness fun. And that, that's at the end of the day, we want to make it fun. We want them to learn something and do it right, proper form, um, you know, and especially with our wrestlers that we're able to interact with, we can really touch base on a lot of the nutritional aspects as far as key hydration and what foods to stay away from that might be too rich in this or too much in that, um, you know, and like kind of keeping a clean diet as far as like vegetables and, and fruits. We don't do anything crazy. We just really tell them to keep a colorful plate you know, and drink water, you know, stay hydrated. Uh, you know, if, if you had the option between cookies and an apple, you're going to take the cookie, but the apple is the better option in the sense of feeling your next workout, right? Or a lot of these guys, they love wrestling. They love competing. And we have kids competing from 14 years old through 18 years old. Um, so oh, we wow. have a wide age base, right? So there's a different way to appeal to each and every one of them. And of course, as they get into high school, they're doing a little bit more weight management. So we really help those guys the best we can. But as a kid, just with them developing, we just really just try to tell the parents just, hey, you know, if they want a PB&J before bed, they're probably tired and they're, or they're probably hungry because they burned a lot of calories from wrestling practice today, you know, so give it to them. You know, we need, you want them to grow, right? You don't want, especially the sport like wrestling, people feel, you know, you, the lighter you are, the more advantage you have, but that's not really the case. We're just trying to, um, you know, just build, build something that's like lasts long, you know what I mean? Enough for them to be able to, give back to the next generation. That's kind of what you want to do. Right. And it just kind of keeps that circle rolling. And um, it's just, it's like tenfold, you know, from every direction, from the functional fitness to just the, the advice we can provide on certain topics from the veteran side of the house, to the fitness, to the nutrition. Um, it's very, we're very fortunate. Needless to say, I'm very fortunate myself to have been able to respond the way I did to, to react to the situation um, and be able to kind of do the right steps all along the way. And um be able to continue to apply that mindset now to, you know, the business aspect of life and provide for my family. And, you know, we just welcomed my new baby girl into the world. She's five months old. Ah, congratulations. It's, it's been, it's been a roller coaster of events, right? Very, very active uh, past two years. So um, that's been, I'm very thankful and grateful. That's a great program. People don't realize how important it is for kids to be healthy and physically fit. Um, it really changes the, the dynamic of their development as they get older. It makes it a lot easier for them to stay fit as they get older and makes their body develop much stronger. Right. There's so much going on there. And that's a great, great program. I'm really here, glad to hear that. And again, I'm a big proponent of wrestling. So if, if the kids are training, they learn discipline, they learn self-defense. There's a lot of things. We've learned to respect other people. You know, today's society, Ryan, I think you and I both know, you know, I think uh, people have gotten a lot of softer in today's society. We get a lot of what we want. If you want something, you just go grab it, you order it, it's done. And um, you made a comment earlier that you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's so true because I think we've gotten so used to being comfortable. Even the supply chain stuff that we see now, you know, people have to shake stuff off. Last year, we had that incredible weirdness with the toilet paper thing. <laughs> And I think that was a classic example of people not being comfortable being uncomfortable. Crazy times. Again, Ryan Blackwell, you can find more about him at welltrainedelite.com. 
I, I can only say it's really you're an amazing person, an amazing story, and uh, thank God you're on our side. Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you very much for your service again. Any uh, other places you want to send up besides welltrainedelite.com? I'm not sure if you have an Instagram account or. No, that's uh, yeah, everything's at welltrainedelite. So if okay. you have Instagram and Facebook, they can just put that in. Um, and then if you go to the website, just fill you can fill the contact form out. If you want information, or if um, you know you want to you know have a we, we travel a lot of tournaments you know so we do also like travel teams and you know if you're interested in being part of wall train for a weekend we could kind of do something like that if we're coming to your neighborhood where we're wrestling a tournament and um yeah other than that any just advice needed or um you know we're always doing stuff for the kids we always you know are very um accepting of anything you know wrestling shoes to headgear to anything a lot of the kids i would try to get back to them as best we can so um like donation wise, we have, you know, we have the used shoes where we kind of go like get shoes back, you give them back to a kid in the program, you know, so it just kind of cycles its way through so they're no good no more. And you just throw them away, right? And it's kind of kids grow fast enough. So any, anything like that, you know, it's really just all about the kids, the community and the veterans is our biggest approach at the moment. And um, yeah, no, appreciate you guys' support. And like I said, you can, any of any well-trained elite on any of those uh, Twitter or not Twitter, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And then, um, of course, you can fill out the contact us form. We'll, we'll get back with you. Awesome stuff. Thanks again, Ryan, for doing this. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to share, subscribe, hit that like button. Stay safe out there, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.